0: Good morning. So what do, you, what do you see, what do you feel when you see these videos, these images of our brothers and sisters around the world? And if you're visiting here with us, uh, we, we are an international community. We're an international church. And these, we consider these people our brothers and sisters. And uh, we've really come together to help them, support them. And you see, brothers and sisters... The difference that you have made in places like Haiti. And we need to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters. And as you see on the screen, this Thursday, we're going to be having a day of, of prayer and fasting for our brothers and sisters who are in danger. We really need to pray that God will watch over them. And God will watch over the church. And that He will use these events to further the gospel. That's our prayer. So, you're, the fast of your choice. Okay, but Thursday all together, and we're doing this all over the world as an International Church of Christ. Uh, Everybody's coming together in this month, choosing a day. Uh, Our day as the uh, uh, now East region is going to be fasting on Thursday. Uh, If you're visiting here with us, you're welcome to join us for that day of prayer and fasting for the world. You know, there are places that weren't mentioned. Uh, you got the Middle East that is constantly, and we have brothers and sisters there. Uh, you've got the church in, in Tokyo, Japan, which not very far away from Tokyo. There's uh, the potential of a nuclear fallout, uh, and, and a lot of infrastructure is, is in trouble in Japan. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters there and pray for the people of Japan. But, you know, I want to ask you a question. We've been doing a series the last few weeks, uh, with the exception of last week, but it ties in with Big Church. And not that we are big, but that God's plan for His church is big, really big. And we're trying to open our minds to get our small vision to see His vision of what He wants to do. But I want to ask you a question Why do you think our brothers and sisters are in danger around the world? Why are disciples in danger? What does that say about the world that we live in? Is it a world of light? Is it a beautiful place, a wonderful world that we live in with the the bird landing on our shoulder and, you know, and uh, Jiminy Cricket, you know, singing, whistling? Is that the world we live in? Is that the world that you live in? And in spite of all the technological advances, you know, the the tablets and the phones and all the stuff that we have, how's man doing really? morally how are we doing you know and we've got to come to grips with the world that we live in and it's not going to get any better in fact it's going to get worse the world that we live in is a dark place what's the role of the church what's your role as a disciple a follower of Christ if you're visiting here with us what can you do to make a difference in the world that we live in, because sometimes you can feel, what can I do? Who am I? And we believe that the church has a very important role. And that's the title of our, our lesson today: Jesus Defines Us. And we're going to do a study on this today. Light of the world. That's how he described his church. If we live in a dark world, what does he want the church to do about it? To be a light. To be a torch, to be a ray, to be a beam where people can find hope. How about you young people, you know, in your schools, college students? How's the environment there where you are? And you know, the truth of the matter is, in the United States, we have no idea how life is. But you know, as we hear Napoleon giving his, you know, testimony, and I want to, I want to brag on him because the last five years, uh, Prior to this past year, Laura and I were in the Latin ministry. And thanks to Napoleon, he revolutionized our worship ministry. Uh, Took it upon himself to go back to school, study music. You know, he played the piano. Five years ago, he didn't play the piano. Didn't play the guitar. He just loved music. He went to school to learn music. And with the primary goal in mind, to help us with our worship. And, And if you've ever been to one of our Latin services at 1230... Uh, he has completely turned our worship around and made it a light. And uh, I just want you to know he's, he's around here somewhere. Napo y Carla, cuánto los queremos y apreciamos. It was a privilege for us to have you guys and work side by side with you in the Latin ministry. And we're going to miss you. Y que Dios los cuide. But the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, Mexico right now is not a safe place. The last two years. Uh, at the end of 2010, 13,000 people have been murdered. That's higher than the death of the two wars combined, Afghanistan and Iraq. It's a war zone. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Some of the, the murders and the violences are, 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 are invading. It used to be just along the border. Now it's in, around the cities of Mexico City, around Little cities like Cuernavaca, there are very few safe places now. Corruption is taking over the country. And people take, you know, murder and vengeance into their own hands. It's out of control. And they're moving there to further the gospel. And I want to encourage you to pray for them. But how does it move you? And as we go on with our study, we're reminded a little bit of the first century. In our study of Big Church... And thanks to the Scriptures, we have a description of what the first church was like after Jesus turned it over to the apostles. We have a photo. We have kind of a a written video of what the apostles did and what church was like. It began the church as a movement. Movements do what? They move. They don't stand still. And a lot's changed over time. The church isn't what it used to be, and it's our goal to get it back to what it used to be. It needs to be that. Our world needs that. Another thing about the church, it was started around, revolving around an event. And the event was the resurrection. Do you know in a few weeks we're going to celebrate Easter? That's the one day out of the year that churches celebrate the resurrection. The first century church would celebrate the resurrection all year long. It was the event. Everything was wrapped up around the resurrection. It was their primary message. Because the the resurrection opened the door for forgiveness, for hope, for a new life, and for eternal life. It freed men from darkness. And then, another thing about the first century church, it was not an institution like many of our churches are today. It did not begin steeped in tradition. It wasn't about tradition. It was about a teaching. There were no Bibles in the first century. And there were no buildings. You know, when you think of a church, we went over this study a few weeks ago, you think of a building. It had nothing to do with the building. It was about the people. And that's how Jesus defined it. And they were totally outward focused. They were about winning the world. They were about being a light in a dark place. When they saw the violence going on around them, they took it upon themselves to say, Jesus and the message, the gospel needs to be preached, because that's the problem. People don't know about Jesus. And so that is what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a study on light of the world. So let's begin with a prayer. Join me together as we ask God to, to help us and bless our study. Father, we thank you this morning that we can study your word. And I pray that your word will fall on fertile ground. Open our eyes and our hearts so that we can see the plan that you have for each one of us individually and also together as a church. I pray for our friends that are visiting here with us today that you will stir their hearts and that you will encourage them, God, to draw close to you and to give their lives over to you. Because only then, God, can we make a difference and be a light in this world. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters that are in Abidjan, in the Middle East in Japan, in Mexico, and all the places, God, where our brothers and sisters are in danger. And we pray for this world. We pray for our leaders. We pray for the presidents. God, that you give them wisdom, that you will help them to to make the right choices so that the gospel can spread throughout the world. God, we need you. Be with us. Fill me with your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, God, many, many hundreds of years ago, knew that this place that we live in was in trouble. And through the prophet Isaiah, he sent a message. And he was encouraging the Israelites through these words. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Look at what it says here. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun." And the land of Natali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee with the, of the Gentiles. By the way of the sea, along the Jordan, the people walking in distress have seen a great light. Living in the land, on those who are living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What was God's plan in our world of darkness? To send us a light. To to bring down some light. And who was the light? Jesus. Say it together with me. Get some conviction. Who was the plan? Who was the one that was going to help turn the world around? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Jesus was the promise. He was the, the one that was going to change to bring light to this dark world. Jesus is the light. In John chapter 1, and this is an incredible... John goes even further back He opens up a picture that Jesus' plan, the plan of Jesus, goes all the way back to the creation of the world. Everything. And look what he says here in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You know, the reason why we don't understand Jesus and we don't understand the plan of God, and many times the reason why churches get off track, we try to make church what we want. We try to adjust it. and We want God to send the light the way we want it. You know, God, I don't want a bright light. I want a fluorescent light. I want one of those green lights. I want a red light. I want a pink light. I want this. I want that. And I want it in this package. And that's why people couldn't see. They didn't recognize Jesus. Because God's plan is different than our plan. And then look what it says. In Matthew, He repeats what's said in Isaiah. As Jesus began His ministry, Matthew in His Gospel, He recites the same verse saying, This is coming true. The prophecy has come true. Because Jesus began His ministry in Galilee. That's where he started. That's where he spent most of his time. So he's saying what was written hundreds of years ago is now coming true. And look what Matthew says. that recites the the prophecy. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you are living in darkness. If you feel a heaviness in your heart. But there's a solution to your dark plight. And Jesus is a solution. You know, in each time that I've been faced with a challenge in my life, it's a great encouragement that I can always go back to Jesus. I can always iron things out. I can always find forgiveness. I can always find repentance and new hope through Jesus. No other religion offers that. No other place will give you that, that forgiveness and that complete hope that you can start over again. That you can change. You don't have to stay the same. That God believes in us so much that He was willing to give His life for us. We read on in Psalm chapter 107, verse 10 and 11. It said, Some sat in darkness, in the deepest gloom. That's a dark place. Prisoner suffering in iron chains. Why are people in chains and why is this world in darkness? Maybe you're in darkness. Why? It says it right here. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. You want to know why this world is dark? Simply put, the Bible's not in practice. There's answers. There's solutions. There doesn't have to be murder and war and corruption, drug addiction, perversions. There's an answer. Marriage doesn't have to be a curse, a heavy weight, a place that no one wants to be in and live in, as many describe it, a hopeless state. No, marriage can be a blessing. It can be heaven on earth. When you do it the Bible's way, But this is why people are in darkest gloom. And it says here, they had rebelled against God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Then down in verse 13, it says, What do people do when they're in darkness? Smart people. This is what I did. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. You know, if you need help today, I want to encourage you. What do you need to do? You need to cry to the Lord in your trouble. And He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Isn't that awesome? Whatever is holding you down, whatever has got you bound, Jesus, God can help you break those chains. And you can be free. And He says here, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. For He breaks down the gates of bronze... And he cuts through the bars of iron. Have you ever felt in prison like no hope? You know, a lot of our chemical recovery ministries have used this to describe when you are under the curse or the slavery, as it's described, of drug addiction. But it's not just there. There are men today living under the slavery of perversion, of pornography. Of adultery. I remember when I was a young man, 20 years old. I knew it. I didn't know the Bible. I knew it. I was a slave to sin. I didn't want to sin. I didn't want to keep on being a a, a dark man. I wanted to be a man of honor. But I felt chained down. I couldn't break free. And then I started to get to know the Scriptures and started to pray. And God said, you can be set free. And that was such an encouragement. But look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians. Paul says this to the church. In chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, not the Lord God, the other God that is creating havoc in this world. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God? You know, there's blinders on people today, and it's a tactical, intentional work of the devil to blind people from answers. Let me give you an example. Watch this short video of what's going on in the college campuses. To his office, and he's. Let's start that over again. One of the deans of the College of Liberal Arts called me into his office and he said, Ruth, students have been indoctrinated for the first 18 years of their lives by their parents and by their churches, and we only have four years to undo the damage. This is what's going on on college campuses today. Deans of colleges, this happened at Georgia Tech University, sat down with one of the students and said, Ruth. College students have been indoctrinated for 18 years of their life. By who? By their parents and by their churches. And we got four years to clean their mind. Boy, they're really doing a great job of it, aren't they? 80% divorce rate in Southern California. People don't have answers. Single parenthood is out of control. Kids do not respect their parents. It's so backwards. And it's such an intention that they are calling good bad. Exchanging, and what's bad is now good. Acceptable. And we've got to wake up and see, there's there's things happening to blind people intentionally. In this particular situation, if you want to, hear more about it, you can go to, uh, some of you that are subscribed to Facebook, go to Speak Up on Facebook. It's for college students. The, the, the plight of college students, when they want to be loud and speak out about their faith, they're being pushed down and discriminated against. While other religions are being given money, government money, to promote their religions. And you go, wait a minute. But Jesus had an answer for us as a church. And He said it here in His Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Look at what Jesus says here. And this is where we get connected with the light. He says it here in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Who's He talking to here? Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to a multitude, but who was His focus group? Any idea? The twelve. There were a lot of people there, but Jesus was looking at the twelve. And He wanted them to know, you are the light of this world. I'm passing. I'm the light. I'm passing this on to you. I'm calling you. And it says here, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand... And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What's God expect of us as His church? What's Jesus saying to us, His followers? If you're here visiting and you consider yourself a Christian, what's Jesus saying to you? To us? Should we hide? Should we go and shh? No. He's saying let it shine. Speak up. Speak out. Live your life. Let people know who you are. Let people know what your convictions are. I'm counting on you. I need you. Because if we don't shine, the darkness will overwhelm the light. This is our responsibility as a church. Today we're going to change the name of our region. And some of you, are, oh no, what? Wait a minute. Since the beginning we've always relaxed. We're still going to be a part of the LA International Church of Christ. We're not declaring independence in any way, shape, or form. To the contrary, a greater unity. All we're doing is changing our identity. And we're changing the name of our region so that we can identify with who we are. East region, what's that say? What's that communicate? You're in the east. Where's the east? It's an identifier, but where's the east? Well, the east is in Asia, right? You me? That's the far east. But it doesn't say... It doesn't identify, it doesn't help me understand who, what I'm supposed to be. You know, and Jesus, doing what he's doing right here is he's branding us. You know, the corporate world is into branding, right? Everything's got a brand. You hear a, a song, you know, a little phrase. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Bam, what comes to mind? Rise and so yeah, there you go. That's branding you got people want to identify and it's so so important Jesus wants us to identify with who we are and what we're about who does how does he describe us you are what the light but i don't feel like a light you know if you had the morning and the day that i had yesterday you wouldn't feel like a light either it's not about yesterday It's not about how you feel. It's about who's in you. And if you're visiting here with us, it's about who can be in you. It's who you can be. Jesus came to change things. He came to change our lives. Will we allow it? Will we let Him? And I want to encourage some of us because the reason why we're changing our identity is because, kind of like this verse, I don't know what it is, but it hasn't come in completely, but we've been a little held down under a bowl. You know what I mean? We haven't been shining. We haven't been out there for people to see. So we've got we to take the bowl off, the blinders off, and change who we are. And so there's a lot more to this than a name. This is a description of spiritual identity. I want you to walk around differently when you leave here today. Not how you see yourself, how God sees you. You are the of what? The world. Not of the East San Gabriel Valley. Not of Laverne. Not of Whittier. You are the light of what? The world. Do you realize you can have a worldwide impact? Do you realize that's what God is... What's Napoleon going to do? He's going out into the world. God's given me the incredible opportunity to go around the world over the years. And I believe some of you this summer can have that opportunity to go on a member missionary trip and be a light somewhere else. Some of you have already had that chance. Look about what Jesus said here. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus's plan is that no one stays in darkness Come on out of there. Get out of that place where you are. And some of us, well, I'm not really in the dark. I'm kind of in the gray. Let me identify for you there's only two places you can be in the Bible. Okay? Two places. One is in the light, one is in the darkness. There's no gray. It may be gray outside, but there's no gray in the Bible. You're either in the light or in the darkness. If you want to know where you stand, we got some Bible studies to do with you. So you can clearly know from God's Word. Not my opinion. Not John Mantle's opinion. Although his opinions are worth more than mine because he's older and wiser. This is what counts. And you'll know where you stand. Jesus said, I don't want you to be in the darkness. Look what He said here in John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again... To the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I mean, this is not a concept. This is a life. That means when you walk around, people are going to go, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. Why? You know, I've had people say that to me. She so says, "You know, there's something different about you." And I go, "Is it my breath?" You know what? What? No, they say there, there's something, and I, it's got to be God, because I know who I am. You know who you are. And the closer you get to God, the closer you stay to God. The more light comes out. Let's look at this video here. this world going to be without your light? Complete darkness. That's a sobering thought. But there's hope for the world if each one of us, you know, and I like the the vision of all those little light bulbs. You know, you're a light bulb. Well, I don't feel like a light bulb. I feel like a dud. You're a light bulb. And you've got to let that light shine. Maybe you haven't been living like a light. Well, it's time to change. That's why we take communion. That's why we come to church so we can get, our, our cha- get things changed around and establish a new identity. Look at this community. How would you describe this geographic area? It's big. 1.5 billion people. How does God see this community? What does he see when he looks around? Some of us are faked out by the picket fences and the grain grass and the flowers and springtime. We think, "Oh, it's all good. Look, we live in paradise. Welcome to paradise." I don't know if you've—I don't know if you've gone inside of people's homes. Have you gotten to know your neighbors? I don't know if you've spent some time talking to people about what's really going on in their lives. There's darkness. There's pain. There's hurt. And you can be that light. You can make that difference if you will see yourself as God sees you. So I'm going to roll it out for you. Our new name. Our new logo. I want to thank uh, JP and and Amanda. Uh, And again, don't get psyched out by the, the look or the name. It's more about Jesus and His vision for us so as of today we are no longer the each region it's over. we're turning the page because it doesn't, doesn't say anything okay And no no, nothing against the past no, no 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 we're just turning the page. a new look, a new vision, okay a new identity. you ready? There it is. The Light, the Lighthouse Church of Christ. It's already on our website. And you can go to our, our new website. It's been up for a little while, but we've just now put this new... This is the brand. This is our logo. It will be on everything. Uh, and, and we're going to put it out there. And we're going to get cards, invitations for you. And when you talk to people, you're going to say, who, who, who What's your church? We're a lighthouse. You know, and there are other churches that are lighthouse. And that's good. It's all good. As long as everybody understands who they are and what they're about. And as long as you live it. But this is about what Jesus said to us. And if you go back in history, uh, this is the uh, eh, Latino, eh, Ministerio Latino, this is their logo right here. Iglesia de Cristo, Faro de Luz. It's just, you change it backwards in (laughs) Spanish. You reverse it. What's this? You say, well, I don't feel like i got a lot of light. In the early uh, 20th century, was there electricity? No. They had lighthouses. Did you know that? Do you know how they shined out in those lighthouses? Gas lamps. You say, gas lamps? That's like a candle. How do you make a candle or a gas lamp shine out miles into sea to save ships during a storm? And it's a fennel lens. They would build these around the gas lamps. It magnified that little light. Ever heard the song? This little light of mine? Man, I love that song. Okay? What are you gonna do with your little light? Let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. God can take our little weak light and magnify it so that it can go out miles into the storm and be a place where people can say, hey, there's hope. i got a friend. i got somebody who can help me, steer me in the right direction. And this is what God can do with your little light. All you've got to have is a little light. And that fennel lens that God puts around you can magnify it. See these projectors? I don't know if you know it or not, but that little light that's inside that projector is being magnified and projected by a fennel lens. And it's just a little light. Steve changed them out this morning. That's why they're brighter. It's just a little bulb. And it's boom! And these lights back here that light me up Those come from a a magnifier on your headlights. They're everywhere. God's put that around you. And you've got to start looking at yourself through human eyes and start seeing the potential that you have that God can magnify you. It's not about you. Everyone, and I like this this image here, because what do you see here? You see rays. Every single one of us is a ray of light. And that's on our logo. Rays going out. Everyone is a ray of light at their work, and in their community wherever you are there's hope there's light because you bring that light and I want you to have that identity from here forward today let's watch this video
1: from the dust of the ground God formed man and breathed into him the breath of life when the Israelites were trapped with their backs to the sea Moses stretched out his staff and the waters were parted. Samson struck down a thousand oppressors of Israel with the jawbone of a donkey. At the blast of trumpets and a war cry, Joshua watched the walls of Jericho crumble. With torches and empty jars, Gideon and 300 men defeated an army of 100,000. David chose five smooth stones from the stream and with them he struck down Goliath. 5,000 were fed with only five loaves and two fish. If God can use such small things to change the course of history, Certainly, He can use you.
0: So what's the missing ingredient? Faith. Your faith. Faith in you or faith in God? All those men that were described in those stories of the Bible, history of the Bible, were men of faith. David picked up those stones and believed that he could bring down a giant. Samson picked up the jawbone of a donkey and believed that he could defeat his enemy. Moses took the staff, a wooden stick, and held it out over the Red Sea and believed. He believed that God could part the sea. He believed and took God at His word. Do you believe that God can use your life? And it doesn't take a lot of faith. Again, only a little to start. With your little faith, God can do amazing things. And it's time for us to change the way we think. People are looking for a light. Teens are looking for a light. That, that facade of the dream car and the dream life and the boyfriend and the cheerleader and that, that, that student, you know, that's got this, the great grades and looks like they got it all together. Behind the curtain, there's darkness. That's how it was in my life. Nobody knew until a disciple came along and said, Hey, come with me. Let me show you a light. And everything changed after that. People are looking for light. This is our website. Uh, And if you want the uh, address, it's lighthousecoc.com. You can look it up today. Lighthousecoc.com. And we're going to be constantly building it, growing it uh, as time goes on. And want to encourage some of the different ministries to designate someone so you can help load this with information and news. Lighthousecoc.com. And we're going to close it out here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing, which is prominent in our world. You know, if you see somebody that's complaining and arguing all the time, that's just how it is. That's how the world rolls. But people of the light don't get involved in that. And it says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation, which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. This is who God wants us to be, Paul telling the church in Philippi. And light comes from Jesus. And let's break it down in a practical sense. We have it. We have the light because of our faith in him. We have it through the promise that He's given us. We have it through the Holy Spirit, which you only have if you are a true son, follower, disciple of Christ. If you want to know if you are, we've got some Bible studies that can make that clear for you. Don't assume it, because the Bible makes it clear, and there are a lot of people that are off track. Practical application of His teaching brings about light. How you live, the choices you make, and some of the principles that we teach in the church make us a light. This week we're beginning, we're beginning Crown Financial. The reason we begin, are beginning Crown Financial is because there's a desperate darkness in our society of the management of money. People are destroying their homes, their families, their lives because they don't know how to manage money. Do you know that the Bible, the most prominent subject in the Scriptures, the most prominent subject of Jesus' teaching... Money. Most of his parables, half of them, had to do with material possessions. So many verses in the Bible about money. Why is that? Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven. And a few weeks ago we talked about, he talked more about what than heaven? Hell more than heaven. You know what he talked about more than both of those? Money. Because it has an effect on our heart. And so I want to encourage you, participate in Crown Financial because it's a biblical Bible study of how to live according to God's plan. And you will be better off when you manage money differently instead of it being a runaway train that ruins your life and ruins your marriage. Money is the number one destroyer of marriage. Studies have shown. Number one cause of divorce. And we're going to be doing this summer, marriage principles. In the fall, Family principles, parenting principles. And, you know, if you want more light in your life, it begins with repentance. With the decision, I'm going to be different. I messed up this week. I messed up last week. I'm changing my ways. I'm going to be different this week. I'm going to rededicate myself. I'm going to be different this week. I'm going to be better than I was last week. That only God offers that. Don't take this name that we are we are calling ourselves lightly. It's a step in a spiritual direction. It's answering the call of Jesus and helping this world to be a brighter place. And the world needs light because it's dark. I want you to make a note of this verse. You can read it later, Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 10. This is Paul's encouragement again to the church in Ephesus to be a light, to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. And look at what God said to Paul. Jesus said to Paul in calling him, I am sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God specifically, Jesus specifically called Paul to open people's eyes, to turn them from the darkness to the light. Jesus is sending us in the same fashion. To go and open people's eyes. This world needs a lighthouse to orient itself. And He wants to use you to do that. So that is our lesson for today. I want to close out with a prayer and encourage you to walk out with a new identity. You are a light. Well, I don't feel like a light. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about His calling to you. To be different. Amen? So are we together on this? Lighthouse Church of Christ. Lighthouse region. That's who we are. So if people ask you, what region are you in? Lighthouse region. What region is that? Is that a new region? Yes, it is. Because we want to be what Jesus wants us to be. We want to be a light in our community. Amen? I'm going to ask Josh Peterson to come on forward. He's going to lead us in some closing thoughts and announcements. Love you guys. God bless you. God use you. And have a great afternoon.